0: Good day. Welcome to our Bible study. Hope everyone had a blessed and wonderful week. We're going to continue on today in the Gospel of John. We're in chapter 6. Today we'll be covering verses 41 through 50. And the title of today's lesson is The Jews Disagrees That Jesus Is From Heaven. And this is part one of our lesson, which is a two-part series. Let's review from last week. Last week we, we saw and we, we studied We see where Jesus was continuing his conversation with these people, right, that had crossed over to Capernaum, right, after after seeing the miracle and the feeding of the 5,000, right? And in this conversation and the teachings that Jesus was doing, Jesus tells them, right, to chase after food that doesn't spoil. What Jesus was talking about, Jesus was telling them, that they need to seek the kingdom of heaven. They need to seek the kingdom of God because the kingdom of heaven will never go away, correct? That's why we shouldn't chase material things in this world. That's why material things, uh, you know, money and power and so forth, that should not be our God because Jesus tells us that things of this earth will, will perish. They will go away, but the kingdom of heaven will never perish. That is forever, right? But you see these people, They only seen things in the natural, right? They only seen things in the physical. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell them, that you can't look at things from a physical standpoint. You can't let things in the natural sort of possess you, right? That you need to seek the kingdom of heaven. You you, you need to think spiritually, but not physically, right? Because Jesus is always speaking from a kingdom standpoint. He's always speaking in a spiritual way. And Jesus give them, you know, he gives them examples and he gave them an example uh, about their ancestors. When the ancestors left Egypt, if you remember, right? And they, and they were complaining for food. They didn't have food, they didn't have water, right? And they told Moses, Moses, you brought us out here in the wilderness to die, if you remember. And and Moses, what he did, he, he saw God. He prayed to God. And he said, God, you know, you, you chose me to lead the people out of Egypt. You see, Moses is a dichotomy of Jesus because Moses saved the Israelites from the bondage of slavery, whereas Jesus saves us in the New Testament from the bondage of sin, right? And Moses was was bringing them into the promised land. Although Moses didn't do it, Joshua finished the job for him. Well, Jesus, in the same way, he wants to lead us into our promised land, which is the kingdom of God, which is the kingdom of heaven. But but Moses goes to God and he says, God, here they are. They, they're against me. They're complaining, right? They basically want to kill me, he says, because they have nothing to eat. They have nothing to drink. And what, what does God do? God said, you know, Moses, I'm going to do a miracle. I'm going to show them who I am. I'm going to show them to trust me. I'm going to show them that they can count on me, that I will never leave them nor forsake them. I will never let them down. And what does God do? God sends manna every morning when they wake up, bread right? That's a picture pointing to the cross, pointing to Jesus, because we know that Jesus is the bread of life, right? And that's what Jesus is trying to tell them. Jesus is telling them right here that I am that bread of life, that the bread that the ancestors, your ancestors were given, right? That was physical. They had to pick it up every morning and they had to physically eat it. But here I am, the true bread, the one that gives true life, and all you need to do from a, from a spiritual standpoint, not physically, but spiritually, is to believe in me and it's to accept me, right? Because I can bring you where you never, you never get hungry again, he says. You, ne- you never be thirsty again, right? So, so Jesus goes on and on and he tells them that he is the true bread of life. You see, he's telling them that he's the Messiah. That's what he's doing, to believe in him, the ones that the prophets pointed to in the Old Testament. See, all those who believe in him and commit to him will enter into his kingdom. But Jesus also tells them that he, meaning God, right, is present among them right now. But they still don't believe, right? However, all who believe in him, he says, will be raptured up on the last day, right? So what we're going to see in in today's lesson is You're going to see these religious leaders. They're going to come back onto the scene. They're going to enter in the scene because remember wherever Jesus was, there was a crowd and there was some type of religious leaders, right, around there because they they wanted to entrap Jesus. They wanted to see what Jesus was saying so they can try to entrap them, right? And they're going to ask Jesus questions. But once again, what Jesus is going to do, Jesus is going to speak to them the truth. He's going to reveal once again to them and to the people around the crowd that he really is the Messiah. So with that being said, open up your Bibles to John chapter 6, and we're going to begin in verse 41. And verse 41 says this, At this, the Jews, they began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I come down from heaven? Stop grumbling amongst yourself, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent him draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. It is written in the prophets. They will all be taught about God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. So let's go back up to verse 41. And verse 41 starts off and it says this, at this the Jews. Now, when he speaks about the Jews here, it's speaking about the religious leaders. So it says, at this the Jews, they began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. So what they're doing right here, they're grumbling amongst themselves, right? And what they're doing really is that they're rejecting Jesus' divinity. You see, Yeshua is God's divine son. He, In other words, you can say that he is God among us. God is with us, right? And what they're doing is they're rejecting this, right? You see, they really didn't understand. Although they were religious leaders, right? They were in control. They had the power. They really didn't need see a need for their own forgiveness. You can say, see, they wanted a kingdom, but they didn't want a spiritual kingdom. They wanted this earthly kingdom, right? Because they can have some type of power. They can still be in some type of control. So you can say what's happening here is pride's getting in the way. They're rejecting Jesus because of pride, right? And we know that pride is the downfall of man, that those that have pride that never get rid of pride, will never enter into the kingdom of God, right? That's what scripture tells us, right? So they're rejecting Jesus right here because of their pride. Verse 42, they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? So they're saying, man, we know this man, right? That's what they're saying. We we know that he comes from Joseph, who's a carpenter and Mary, right? In other words, he's the son of a carpenter. We know him. Now, this is what they, they believe. This is what they, they thought, right? But you see, prophetically, we know that there will be a son that enters into this world, right? In, in, in other words, you can say this, that God will give a son supernaturally to a virgin, right? And that virgin is going to give birth through the Holy Spirit supernaturally, right? And, and the one that's, that's going to be born is the son of the most high God, we can say. Amen. Now, is it true that God used this woman? Yes, it is, Mary. And they, and, and, and they know Mary and Joseph. They understand that, that it, a very important truth here you need to understand, that, that when they say concerning Jesus, they say he, he's not the son of Joseph, right? But you see, they're missing the prophetic part of all this. What what do I mean? You see, if they really understood the prophets, and they did, they studied the prophets, but there was a problem because they got away from the prophets, right? They would know that God is going to send a son through a virgin, which is going to be the Messiah conceived by the Holy Spirit, right? So they're thinking... I know Joseph. I know Mary. See, they're thinking in the physical, right? That's what they're doing right here. But they disregarded what the prophets said in the Old Testament. And you might ask, well, why they disregarded this, right? They disregarded this because they put more emphasis. They embraced their own teachings, the traditions of the elders, their man-made rules, their man-made laws. And then what they did was they put the Torah and they put the prophets aside, so to speak, because they embrace the traditions of the elders. So when they say the son of Joseph, let's focus in on that right here, right? This is very important in the Jewish community, this term, this phrase, the son of Joseph, right? Because it relates to a suffering servant. You see, when it speaks about the Messiah, Jews believe this, there's two Messiahs. Now we know that's not true. We know that there's only one Messiah, and that one Messiah played two roles. He first came as the suffering servant, which he already did. The work's already done on the cross at Calvary for what he did. But we know that Jesus is going to come back at the end times as that warrior, right? As as, as that the, the, the warriors that take on the enemies of Israel. So in the Jewish community, in the Jewish culture, they believe, That there's two messiahs and there's two messiahs play different roles. The first messiah is that suffering servant. He's called Messiah Ben Joseph, right? That suffering servant. But they, they seem to disregard that. They don't put a whole lot of emphasis on that in the Jewish community. Instead, they put all their attention and they focus in on what is to come. And that is that righteous king, right? That warrior. Again, that will lead the nation of Israel and defeat the enemies of the world in the end times, right? And and this is the one that's going to establish, they understand, this eternal kingdom, right, that they're hoping for, right? And they understand this. But again, what happened is they move away from the prophets of the old. They move away from that suffering servant, Messiah ben Joseph. So when we say, isn't he, when they say, isn't he the son of Joseph, right? They're not willing to accept the concept of what it really is, the son of Joseph, that suffering servant. And this still holds true today in the Jewish community, right? The religious leaders, they don't put a whole lot of emphasis on this. What they're looking for is that Messiah that is to come, right? See, a few, maybe two or three months ago, there was a big stir, a big, you know, uh, uproaring, I guess, in, in Israel, those of you that keep up with Israel, that this this Messiah, so to speak, this Rabbi comes onto the scene, and, and at first they thought this is the Messiah, right, because he knows the Torah inside and out, and I mean it's just unbelievable. But now they're saying this man is is the one that's going to lead the Messiah onto the scene, right? I mean you you can you can Google it today, you can YouTube it today, and you can see what I'm talking about, but they put a lot more emphasis on Messiah ben David, that warrior. So there's two messiahs in the Jewish community, Messiah ben Joseph, which is that suffering servant and Messiah ben David. Now we know that Jesus takes on both of them roles and Jesus came already as that suffering servant and Jesus will come back at the end times when all the nations of the world are against Israel. That's what I said. All the nations of the world will be against Israel. And if you look at prophecy and you understand prophecy and you see what's going on in the world today, right? It's sort of, it's sort of pointing to this right now. So we can see that we at the beginning of the end times, we can say, and we know that in the end times, what's going to happen? All the nations are against them. They're going to be surrounding Israel, right? The people's going to They're going to flee. They have fled already. A third of the remnant of the Jewish nation. They're going to cry out to Messiah. They're going to realize they had been deceived by the Antichrist. And the last three and a half year of that tribulation period, towards the end, the nations are fixing to capture Israel. And what happens? Jesus comes back with the bride, with the church, with us. And he steps foot on the Mount of Olives. And that Mount of Olives, the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, is going to split and is going to form a valley. Now, what's, what's, what's I'm not crazy because it's from God, but if you look where the Mount of Olives is today, a lot of scientists, a lot of geologists, there's a fault line that runs right underneath and right through the Mount of Olives. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus comes back, right, There's going to be a shakening, so to speak. And that mountain is going to split in two, forming a valley. And Jesus is going to cast away all the enemies of the world that's coming against Israel. He will cast them down, right? He will speak. He will just just over with, right? And what's going to happen? That ushers in the eternal kingdom of God, right? But it's funny because there's going to be a shakening, right? Meaning there's going to be an earthquake. That's how God works, right? God works supernaturally. God created all of this, this beautiful planet that we're living in, right? This universe, knowing that one day He would send His only begotten Son to the cross to die, right? So those who believe in Him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life, right? John 3.16 says that, right? And it's funny, even back then, he knew how he was going to do it, right? So it's a lesson to us that Jesus is in control of our lives. And if we truly believe in him, if we p- truly put our faith in him and our trust in him, and we obedient to the Lord, right? We're walking in the spirit, right? That victory's yours to come, amen? So don't give up hope. Don't give up hope, people. Verse 43. Stop grumbling amongst yourselves, Jesus says. So, Jesus, right here, he hears them talking, right? They're talking low. Now, they don't think that Jesus hears, right? But we know this that, that Jesus is God in the flesh, and because he's God in the flesh, he knows all, right? So, Jesus tells them, man, stop grumbling amongst yourselves, right? You see, they should know that Messiah comes down from heaven, right? We we'll go back to the story of the manna. Right? Just like their ancestors ate manna. God provided manna, the bread, every morning that came down from heaven. Again, that was pointing to Jesus. Because Jesus is, is, is that manna. Jesus, right now, in here, is the true bread of life, you can say, right? You see, this was God's provision from the very beginning. But they don't see that God is present in front of them right now. Why? Because of their pride. Let's go back to the beginning because of their pride. They're waiting for this kingdom to be ushered in, but they want an earthly kingdom, so they can have some type of control, so they can have some type of power. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent them draws them, he says, and I will raise them up on the last day. Now, the question that we should ask ourselves is this, right? Does a sovereign God Take someone, right, that's in rebellion, you can say, and drags them or draws them to Jesus, right? In other words, a person that's kicking and screaming, a person that's in rebellion, right, that, that's maybe not interested in Jesus, right? In other words, this person isn't ready to receive Jesus. Does God take them and drag them, right? No, that's not what we're talking about here. So let's focus in on this word draw, right? This has several meanings, biblically speaking, right? And the first can mean dragging. Let me give you an example. Let's use Peter, right? We know Peter's a fisherman, right? So he has nets, obviously. So Peter dragging a net. Now, does that net, is the net doing the work or Peter's doing the work, right? Which one it is? Well, Well, I'm going to get back to that in a second. Let me go to the second meaning, right? The second meaning of this is like someone that has a sword in, in their holster and they draw it out, right? They're doing it themselves. They're drawing it out because he wants to, because that person wants to draw it out, right? So in the same way, you can say, we can relate this to God our Father. Why? Because of his grace. You see, grace is sufficient for all of us. And through faith, by accepting His Son, Yeshua, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, then we have the opportunity to be drawn to Him. We have the opportunity to come to Him. In other words, we can say that the work's already done, right? Because Jesus did the work at the cross at Calvary. We know that. But it's through His Father. It's through God, right? But all we have to do is accept him as the Messiah. We have to accept him. In other words, we need to draw closer to him. We need to accept and believe in Jesus that he is the Messiah, that he died on the third day he rose again. We need to accept him as our Savior. We need to accept him as our Lord, right? So what the scripture is teaching is this, this drawing that the Father does, is it irresistible, right? Is it something that we can't say no to? You see, we, we, we should ask ourselves this question right here, this word draw. Does it appear anywhere else in the scripture? And the answer is yes, it does several times, right? We're speaking about something that is undeniable, something that can't be altered, right? Or are we talking about something maybe that is super mandated, right? And the answer is no. Let me give you an example of what I mean. If you open up the book of John, the gospel of John, and we're going to cover this later on. But in chapter 12 and verse 32, this is what it says, and I, this is Jesus, I am lifted up from the ground, will draw all people to myself. Now, a lot of scholars believe this, this saying, and I, when I am lifting up from the ground, this means Jesus being lifted up on the cross. This is speaking of his death, then obviously his burial and obviously his resurrection, right? Look what he says, I will draw all people to myself. And some people look at it this way. This term doesn't mean all, but it's a subcategory, right? So some people might say the elect. You see what Jesus is saying in this passage is this, that when I'm crucified, he says that all people will be drawn upon me. So who is he speaking about? He's speaking about a normal way in which people can be drawn to him. You see, if you aren't drawn to the cross, that's my point right here. If you don't understand the meaning of the cross, if you don't understand what Messiah did on the cross, then you're not going to be drawn to him. And if you're not drawn to him, then you won't be saved. You see, it's, it is simply speaking about the normal way that people come to faith, that they are drawn to the gospel, that they are drawn to the truth. In other words, that they respond to salvation. And, and those who understand the message of the cross will be saved. They will accept Jesus as the Messiah. You see, everyone that's saved is because of the cross. See, everything's about the cross. If you look at the Old Testament and you understand, that's why Old Testament is so important to understand because the Old Testament points to the cross. The Old Testament points to Jesus, Amen. So what the Scripture is telling us here again is that God, the Father, is our provider. That God begins the process for all to come through Him, through His Son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In other words, you can say that God pricks our heart, amen? But but in no way should we see this as an absolute mandate that is just for the elect. I want you to understand that. You see, it's for all people, but all people must understand the cross. And those people that understand the cross are the elect. That's what I mean when when I say a subcategory of the elect. Those people that understand the truth, those people that follow the truth, those people that believe and have faith, those people that are committed to Jesus, right? To God through His Son, Jesus Christ then these people will inherit the, the, the eternal kingdom of heaven, the eternal kingdom of God. You see, Jesus is the resurrection, people. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is our provision, right? He will provide what is necessary so that we, when we stand in the judgment, right? There's two judgments, remember, right? There's the Bema seat. those that are saved, those you can say as for the elect, those who understand the cross, those who accept his resurrection, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Those people will enter into the kingdom of God, but those people who don't, then you're going to face the white throne judgment at the end, and you're going to be cast. Now, you're going to bow before Jesus. You're going to kneel. You're going to bow, and you're going to say with your, with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior. That Jesus is Lord and Lord and King of Kings, right? But then after you say that, he's going to say, depart from me, you evil and wicked, because I never knew you, and you never knew me, so I don't know you, so Go. And he's gonna cast them into the lake of fire, which is hell. So, again, what the scripture's saying is God, not people, plays the most active role in salvation, right? When someone chooses to believe in the cross, when someone chooses to believe in Jesus, and they really understand the meaning of the cross and what Jesus did through his Father, right? That God sent his only begotten Son to die for us for the sins of the world, that he took the sins of the world upon his shoulders. He took that punishment. He took that beating, right? He took that brutal death for us so we can have a chance at the kingdom of God. In other words, we need to accept Yeshua as our Lord and Savior, right? And we do that by the urging of the Holy Spirit, amen? See, God does the urging. Then we we have to decide amongst ourselves, right, whether or not to believe. So, No one can believe in Jesus without God's help. That's what this is saying because God draws them to Jesus through the cross. And if we believe, then you're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You're going to enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. Verse 45, it is written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Now, what does he mean by that? Taught by God. See, this means people coming into his kingdom, coming into the kingdom of God, coming into the kingdom of heaven, they're taught by God. Well, you might say, how? Through this Bible. By understanding the truth, by understanding the word, by understanding God's word, including the prophets. That's why it's important to study your Bible. It's important to understand the Bible, right? It's important not only to understand the Bible, but to understand prophecy and what the prophet said. Look what else he says in the scripture. Everyone who has heard from the Father and learned from him comes to me. This is Jesus speaking. You see, if you don't understand biblical truth, right? Both Old and New Testament I'm talking about. That it points to the cross. That it points to Jesus, right? If you know and you understand that. Then that person accepts Jesus as their Savior, accepts Jesus as their Messiah, accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You see, we are taught by God through the Holy Spirit to seek and learn the truth, to learn his word, to learn this Bible. Amen. Verse 46. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. So Jesus here is speaking Of himself he says no one has seen the father except the one who is from God remember the Trinity God the Father God the Son right Jesus of Nazareth and God the Holy Ghost God the Holy Spirit right so in verses 45 and 46 46 this is what he's speaking of right you see we're not going to simply discern things by ourselves that's what it's saying in verses 45 and 46 See, none of us has ever seen God. So what he's saying here is that we need to understand his word. We need to understand the Bible. Why? Because it reveals revelation. It reveals truth. You see, there's only, I guess, let me say it this way. It's it's very important, I guess, for for all of us to understand, and I say this quite often, Bible prophecy, right? Right? And the scriptures are telling us, right, that those that are drawn, that they will be drawn by God because of what they are taught by Him. In other words, through the Bible, the truth, through Bible prophecy, the prophets, right? And because of this, you commit your life to God through His Son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua. So this is why it's very important to study a Bible every day. To get in scriptures every day, right? You need to pray every day, but you should open your Bible, you should be praying, and you should be learning the Word of God. You should be learning Bible prophecy also with that, amen? Verse 47, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has everlasting life. Some of your Bibles might say eternal life, right? So we see an order taking place here, right? If one is drawn to God, right? Then one understands prophetic truth, we can say, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that Jesus Christ is our Savior, right? And it's only through him and only him that you will be raised at the rapture of the church. Now, this word believes, look what it says, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has everlasting life or eternal life. This word believes here is used as a means to always believe. In other words, it is continuous. It never stops, right? We do not believe only once. That's what he's saying here. But we keep on believing. We keep on trusting him, right? We keep on honoring and obeying him. So he's saying, those who believe in me, because I am the bread of life, he's saying, will reach their final destination, and that's the kingdom of God. Amen? I am the bread of life in verse 48. So he is our absolute guarantee to get into the kingdom of God, right? If you believe that he is the Messiah, if you believe in Yeshua, verse 49, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. Look what he says, yet they died. Now, it was God's provision, right? But they didn't see the provision in a proper way, you can say. Now, why do I say that, right? Because look, they ate the manna, he says. Every morning, the bread fell from heaven and they ate it. But Jesus says, yet they died, right? Now, they don't understand what Jesus is talking about here because they missed the provision. They don't see it in a proper way, right? That provision didn't produce fruit in their life. It didn't produce fruit in that wilderness when they ate the manna. That's what Jesus is saying. They didn't see it as the spiritual message that it contained. All they did was in the physical, they were hungry. So they saw it as food in the physical and they fed themselves, right? To, to, I guess, satisfy their nourishment, right? They didn't understand that they had to mature in a spiritual way, right? And this is what happened to that generation, right? That came into the land. They had to mature. They had to do the work of God because it was God's provision. Now, remember. That first generation that left Egypt, to go back to the book of Exodus and you read it, that first generation did not reach the promised land. Moses didn't even reach the promised land, right? Only two people in that generation reached the promised land, and that was Joshua and Caleb. And you might ask why? Because they believed. They understood this provision. It's all about belief, right? If you go to the Book of Numbers in verse thirteen, it talks about this story, right, about the the, the generation entering into the promised land and the and, and the spies, right, and what had happened. They were they were trying to enter into the promised land, and Moses before they enter into the promised land before God took Moses, but Moses sent out twelve spies. He says, "Go scope out the land, right," and they went, and it was a it was a a spy from. Each of the 12 tribes of Israel, and he went, they went. And when they came back and they took fruit and stuff from the promised land, right? But when they came back, Moses says, what do you think? What do you see? Can we capture the land? Now, God told them they were going to capture. God said, I'm going to give you the promised land. It's yours. But you got to trust and believe in me, right? That's what God said. Man, And you know, 10 out of those 12 come back with a negative report? And only two had positive reports, right? All the ten said, man, we can't, we can't win. We can't defeat this, this, these people. Right? They're huge. The Philistines. The Philistines were, were the giants, remember? David and Goliath, right? Goliath was a Philistine. They're giants, right? And, and, and man, we can't do that, right? I mean, and if, if you say giants, where do giants come from, right? Giants were present on this earth at one time. And if you go to the Bible, the Bible tells you how giants came about, right? Fallen angels from heaven that came down in the form of man, right? They deceived man because that's what Satan is about. Satan is about deception. And what they did, they lay with earthly women. And these earthly women conceived babies. And these babies were known as the Nephilim, right? Those were the giants. Well, these spies come back, man, and, and they, man, like, we, there's no way 10 of them say we can defeat these people because they're so big, they're so huge. Now, it's, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, they said. There's no doubt about it. But these people are huge, and we stand no chance to defeat them. Now, what did Caleb and Joshua say? Let's go take the land right now, they say. Why? Because God promised it to us, right? God said it's yours. You just got to believe in Him. You just got to trust in Him. See, once again, it's pointing to the New Testament. It's about belief. It's about belief in Yeshua. It's about belief in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It's about trusting and believing in Him through faith by the grace of God. Amen. Last verse for today, verse 50. But here, Jesus says, is the bread that comes down from heaven which anyone may eat, and look what he says right here, and not die. So Jesus here is speaking, right? He's speaking of himself. He says, I'm here, and I am the bread of life. And if you accept me, he's saying, if you believe in me, if you commit to me, if you trust in me, right, you might physically die, because we're all going to physically die, absolutely. But you're going to live on forever in the eternal kingdom of God, right? But we need to understand, right? Jesus comes down from heaven and he comes as this bread of life, right? And Jesus says right here, he tells them, I am the bread of life and I came down from heaven and all those who trust and believe in me, all those who have faith in me will never die. He says, you will never go hungry. You will never be thirsty, right? You see, Jesus is telling us right here that Jesus and only Jesus gives everlasting life to all those who believe and all those who trust and all those who have faith in him. Amen? And that ends our lesson for today. We're going to be back next week. We're going to continue on in the Gospel of John. Until next week, y'all go bless somebody. Y'all be a blessing blessing for someone this week. Serve. Remember to be a servant for the Lord, right? We appreciate you all tuning in. We love you guys. Until next week, God bless.